Welcome back to the Subject Podcast, ladies and gents. If you haven't already listened to our first episode, go find it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or any of your podcast applications. We've already failed at being a weekly podcast, but we're still going to delve into the subjects that are at the very forefront of technology and the spaces in between. So a few things have happened since our first episode, namely Apple releasing a whole heap of new products that are very much like the old products, which does pose the question, do Apple lead or do Apple follow? So from my perspective as someone who only owns one Apple product, the iPhone, my personal opinion is that Apple doesn't really kind of lead from the front anymore like they had done in the past. I mean, you look at the original iPhone, for instance, and I don't think that we're seeing the same innovation in the in the smartphone space especially, but the rest of the entire industry seems to have stagnated and Apple just seemed to be happy to, to kind of follow the rest of the trends in the industry and allow other people to fail, if that means fail first, and then kind of take it from there. I don't know if, if any of you guys have the same impression of Apple in terms of their overall um, their overall follow aesthetic or are they following their design choice of other brands? I don't think... I think their base concepts are followed. Like, I think they're following other concepts like truly wireless earphones and stuff like that. But I think their actual designs are pretty original um, and then other companies followed them. Uh, in terms of, for example, the infamous camera bump that was found first found on the iPhone 10 and then the iPhone 10s and 10s Max where it's that vertical layout with the two sensors and kind of it's not very rounded at all it kind of sticks out and we've seen that a lot especially in Xiaomi phones and Motorola phones I think that's one area that recently has been very much copied from and obviously Apple has led as opposed to follow but do you, do you sometimes think as well that that's because the rest of the industry are willing to make the failures that Apple aren't willing to make in terms of their just their overall business model apple their business is in succeeding isn't it and then they don't tend to um they tend to rely on the the ecosystem a little bit more than their actual the investment in design and and kind of technologies i don't mean design as in the design of the products i mean as in the design of an architecture of of the kind of things that, that go into the devices so i mean I, I kind of get what you're saying with the notch that it is a, it's kind of a nasty trend that everyone seems to follow. But um, in terms of other Chinese manufacturers, there's only really Huawei who have tried to copy like verbatim what the, the iPhone ten can do. So they've got that 3D face scanning technology and they're going to use that for AR support and they try and do their own animojis. But it, does does the rest of the industry follow? No, I just think they follow the aesthetic choices. So I don't, I, what, what I kind of mean is in terms of the everything that's going into the devices... So you mean like the features and stuff like that? Yeah, potentially, yeah. But I mean, in terms of um, kind of the hardware is is one aspect of it, but the software is is one area where I feel Apple doesn't really seem to make many uh, kind of risky decisions. It's it's kind of all played safe, and and the incremental the incremental changes that they make to their hardware and their software means that the rest of the industry is is kind of feels bullish in comparison. So I mean, look at look at for instance at the. At the latest Huawei phone, they're willing to put extra cameras in, they're willing to put telephoto zoom lenses in. But Apple are happy to just have one camera, two times telephoto zoom lens, and just be happy with the with their camera application. And it does work fine. It just hasn't changed for four or five years. Personally, I think that Apple have led in areas that they don't mean to, but then they also have like a lot of safe areas that you could argue, for example, as you said with the the P30 Pro, um, that 50 times zoom, it's cool to test, but in reality, I don't actually know how much people are going to use it. 
And I think that's potentially why Apple have stuck with like the safe seat of just having a normal lens and then just a two times telephoto. Um, but there are areas that I feel like they may not have intended to lead with, like the removal of the headphone port that they just really have led every other brand since. And it's it's those kind of things that, you know, it it's like an unnecessary removal, but it's something that everyone else then follows, even though they didn't need to, because now all, all you get is just a dongle in a box instead of having a port built onto the phone. It's very easy to argue that Apple don't innovate, and I completely agree with that argument because I genuinely don't think that they innovate. I think that they wait until technology is refined enough before actually putting it on their phones. Yeah, I kind of agree with that, to be fair, thinking about it. Yeah, although you can you can argue against that with the notch because that's like the least refined thing I've ever seen, to be honest. But do you think as well that they back themselves with the technology that they have in the notch? Like, what I will say with Apple is there's one area where they they go whole hog with something. They don't kind of do half measures. So when they put the notch on the front of the screen, you know fine well that it's going to have technology that they, they've invested a hell of a lot of time and money in. So I suppose I'm kind of eating my own words a little bit there by saying that they don't always lead because they have led with notch technology, if that makes sense. And we're now seeing everyone else trying to, well, initially emulate it just for aesthetic purposes. But now what they're trying to do is do what Samsung have done where they've kind of hung back seen where where the technology is going and then decided okay well we'll do the we'll do the punch hole or the display cutout to hide the hide the notch as best we can yeah i kind of agree and it's like apple uh, these days at least they're kind of taking the safe option of what samsung have kind of always done which is like you see something innovative and new come out from a company like xiaomi or huawei uh they kind of wait until it's more refined or it's like more user-friendly rather than just being rushed out by those companies and then as soon as it is, they put it on their phones. And then when a user actually gets that, it's what makes them think that like an iPhone or a Samsung is better than any of the Huawei phones. Because although you don't get the newest features straight away, when you do get them, they're refined enough. And I kind of think that's like the whole thing behind why people think iPhones are better, if I'm honest. I think the reason that most people buy iPhones is because they're used to iPhones or they like iPhones. They're not necessarily, they don't really care what phone they have. They just kind of want an iPhone. But I think the majority of enthusiasts buy iPhones because of that cohesion that you kind of mentioned there and the way that they kind of link everything together. For example, you'll see, or we have seen Touch ID on the previous iPhones, like the iPhone 8 and before that. And now we're seeing Touch ID in MacBooks. Face ID we have found in the iPhone 10 and, and newer. And now we're seeing Face ID in the iPads. So I think their technology starts off somewhere in the ecosystem and then spreads out to the other parts of the ecosystem and they don't rename it you know they call it face id if it's face id in the ipad or the iphone or touch id even if it's on a macbook so i think that's probably where the the refinement comes in for me other than just the sophistication of the actual technology itself because i don't think touch id is anywhere near as sophisticated as other fingerprint scanners like the ones found in oppos and and Huawei's because they're much faster, much more accurate. But because we see it across a different range, I think that's probably where we find the the actual quality. It's almost like a perceived quality as opposed to an actual quality. Do you think it's where Apple kind of are peak Apple in the sense that what they'll do is they'll reach peak design, which we've seen recently with the iPad re-release, whereby the design hasn't actually altered since 2013, but they know that the technology within it has improved over the actual design so they're willing to put in the new certain portions of new technology like the new chipset maybe a slightly faster fingerprint reader that maybe huawei or 
Samsung have helped co-develop in some ways with their own technologies. And they just say, okay, we can have the fastest iPad mini ever because essentially there's no one else to compare against. And I think that might be a little bit of a kind of a really cheesy way of Apple making people think that they're the best devices on the market because they don't technically need to lead. They only have to beat themselves previously. I'm just wondering I'm just wondering what your thoughts would be on that in, in terms of how does that affect the entire industry? Now, I think the whole innovation thing, like you said, they're just trying to beat themselves. In some areas, that is false. But like you said, with iPads and tablets in general, I don't think there's really another tablet to compete. <clears throat> um, and I think the iPad is like not only a leader in its class, but the only one in its class worth buying. Like I'm not in the Apple ecosystem right now. I actually don't own any Apple devices, but I'd happily take an iPad Pro over any other kind of tablet but I think with their phones um, they kind of they're more stagnant right now I think they're going through a phase of just trying to get the technology right and I don't think that we'll see another like really big change to the iPhone design for another couple of years purely because a lot of the stuff that we're seeing from like Oppo and Huawei and Samsung is stuff that's really new and as we know Apple does take its time I think when it does come out it will be really good and I think that they will be leaders in their class but I also think that, and I've seen this before, especially with the iPhone 10 to 10s. A lot of people saw a change as enthusiasts. We saw a massive change because we knew the technology differences, the much improved cameras, in my opinion, especially with color science and skin tones. Whereas the average consumer just sees the 10s as like the 5s to the 5. And what I mean by that is I had someone try and sell me an iPhone 10, kind of calling it a 10s and just saying well it looks the same and i'm like well no it's it's got di- way different cameras i think the the cameras are probably the biggest upgrade in my opinion apart from having the max model so i think that we're going to see a similar thing we might see some new colors we might see some new kind of changes to the exterior that aren't so minimal like the the 10 to the 10s but aren't so drastic you know compared to the 8 and the 10 i think we'll see some some differences because obviously it's not just a we're on that tiktok and we're on the the tick now so we're actually on a decent on a decent change we'll see the iphone 11 or whatever they want to call it but i don't think we're going to see that massive difference like for example the iphone 5 to the 5s which went from 32 to 64 bit architecture change you see that's where i think personally that this year we're going to see a bigger change than we did last year because apple with the 5 they released the iphone 5 um i can't even remember what year it was i think it was 2012 and then um the year later they gave you the 5s with the you know all those hardware upgrades that you got and then the 5c which was essentially a 5 with a plastic body a couple of different colors um and yeah those those upgrades were really popular, and actually the 5C was, I think it was the most popular iPhone apart from the 6, and that's what I think we had last year. So we had the 10, which is, think of it as the iPhone 5, and then we had the 10S and the 10R. So the 10S with the upgraded hardware, and the 10R with the new colors, and the slightly, the less good hardware, even though it is still a pretty decent phone, all, part, all apart from the screen. I think this year we're going to actually see a major redesign. Personally, I know it's probably unlikely, but it's kind of what you'd expect because of the trend that they've kind of set themselves in the past. So like the 3G and 3GS to the 4, and then like the 4 and the 4S to the 5, but especially the 5, 5S and 5C to the 6. So I, I really hope that we do see something new this year. Maybe like a little bit thinner, 
because they have got a lot thicker recently, iPhones, and hopefully they kind of ditch the notch. I kind of hope that they go for the the hole punch that Samsung have gone for, but it's difficult to tell. And you'll see leaks everywhere that are so so wildly inaccurate that it's it's really kind of impossible to tell until you're a bit closer to the date. Do you think they're going to go for the tri-camera setup that we're seeing in leaks at the moment? Because it'd be, it'd be kind of weird, wouldn't it, to see Apple with a big camera notch on the back because they tend to have this clean, sleek aesthetic. And it's kind of like, what are they going to do with the lens? Are they going to put a, a time-of-flight lens in for better depth effects? But I personally, the biggest question mark I have over that is that the iPhone XR had arguably a better portrait mode than the iPhone Tennis Max, which I do own the Tennis Max, and I did pre quite briefly own the XR, and I found that the single lens setup, in my experience, was exponentially better than the Tennis Max. And I'm just wondering if Apple are going to be thinking, do we want to put three lenses on when we have one camera on the XR, which obviously costs less to manufacture, is easier to kind of to shift to the less cash-rich consumer, is it going to match that? I, I, this is where this is where I think the the whole idea of Apple following rather than leading is is kind of coming round to because I think they maybe would think in when is the time to put triple camera setups on devices when the market has kind of evened out all of the the, the issues or kind of ironed out all the creases as it were. And I'm just wondering, and like when it's when it's gotten used to triple camera phones. As yeah, well. true. I'm I'm just kind of wondering how. How are they going to play that? And I just would love to know what you guys think of of, of of that kind of the way Apple are going to go about doing the triple camera setup. Um, I think with the triple camera setup, we'll see the same thing that we've seen from the likes of the V40 and onwards, which is uh, three different focal lengths. I don't think they'll have any extra sensors built in there because it will take up more space. We might see time of flight, but I don't think we'll see like a fourth sensor like the Nokia 9 for like several different pieces of depth information and similarly i think the front camera is going to be it's going to stay a single lens i i don't see them putting a wide angle on there but i kind of want to flip this back to damien for one second and that is that we've seen the pixel 3 have a single sensor do you think that the pixel 4 will have one sensor two sensor or three sensors i think personally the Pixel 4 will probably have just a dual camera setup on the rear. Whether we'll see another dual camera setup in the front-facing notch or the front-facing punch hole is another thing entirely. Um, I think Apple, the biggest competition really in terms of the, the camera space is Google because in terms of public perception, most people think that the iPhone w- normally has the best camera system. I will say that the, the, the camera application on the iPhone is superior to every single camera application I've ever used. Are the pictures the best? No, they're not the sharpest. They're not the most rich. They do have good dynamic range and they're a nice all-round image overall. And the video camera settings are excellent, really, to be honest with you. There's only the the Samsung range that compete. But in terms of stills photography, the Pixel leads every other camera on the market with a single lens setup. And I think maybe that's why the iPhone XR has a single lens. I think that might be a way of Apple genuinely experimenting rather than following the cr- the crowd, if, if that makes sense. And they can do much more with their own AI and um, post-processing with a single lens to kind of replicate what Google are doing at almost a similar price point. So maybe maybe they will see um, will see Apple be a bit more aggressive with their, if they do a sequel to the XR, I'm not really sure. Um, 
But as far as the Pixel's concerned, I think we're probably going to see two lenses and a heck of a lot of insane computational photography hardware going on. I'd like to I'd like to call a cod swallop to what you just said about the Apple camera app to being the best. I think it is. I, I think, think it I think, I it think is. that's an absolute load of horse shit. I think. But that's why Huawei that's why I said that's why I said I think. It doesn't it's not it's not fucking I so I'm allowed to challenge your thinking. I think Ryan is just saying European shit. <laughs> I'm allowed to have yeah, that basically. opinion. I think it's the, best, oh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, the best laid out. I think it's the most organized. I think Huawei is the is the best. <clears throat> yeah, but you get to get to all of your extra settings within each individual app you've got to go to the far yeah, side of your menu you, anyway you that's, actually, that's also right yeah, excuse me excuse me you have to go you have to exit the camera app to change the fucking resolution no, that's, on that's bad no i'm not saying that isn't bad but i think for the most for the most part the your argument you valid. have to do that on a lot of androids as well right yeah but not it's like the an, it, it's within the app but you press the settings button and it takes you to the not settings the app. One. but the thing is right my question is <laughs> is the huawei camera app really the best or were you kind of blindsided by thinking this is my favorite phone of all time and i mean this in a general oh no that's true but way. i i said it about the p20 as well if you go and oh, watch okay, that yeah, video i said exactly fair the same thing fair enough yeah i think conversely though if the pixel's leading then are apple going to follow i i personally think so but who else can they follow from in terms of the camera stakes i think apple are most likely going to follow google this year uh, whether that means that they're going to move towards keeping their dual camera setup and for portrait modes just using the AI that they have on the 10R, or if it means that they're just going to make a second 10R with even better camera quality that's actually going to compete with the Pixel this time. Because I feel like the 10R, the first edition at least, that we've seen, uh, was kind of, I feel like, as you said, I feel like it was an experiment, and it was kind of, what can we do with a single camera and how does that compete to our dual camera setups on what is essentially their flagship phone and it's impressive that the 10R, at least in my opinion, is still a better camera considering it's just a single sensor. Do you think that they will up all of the internal specifications as well? Because in terms of the actual device that you get, bar obviously my own grievances with the display, do you think that the 10R is arguably the best in the entire iPhone lineup the 2018 lineup, at least. Do you think we'll see the 2019 lineup kind of with the with the 10R, 10R2 or whatever they go about calling it, with, at the very very forefront? Because I can imagine that the 10R sales have really rocketed in compared to the the 10S Max and the and the 10 and indeed the 10S, which feels almost like a like a throwaway device. Oh yeah, definitely. I think the 10S Max is probably the best phone that we saw last year, purely because. It's like the plus model of the iPhone 8 and the iPhone 7 and the iPhone 6. I mean, those were my personal favorites just because I'm a, a fan of big phones. I have big hands, so that's why. But I think the 10R this year, it's going to be difficult for them to make a second version that actually has more features because it's supposed to be that second-rate phone. It's supposed to be the 5C of these like these current generations, so they can't... I don't, th- I don't feel like they're going to give it the best specs and that's why they cut down the screen because at that point then it's just a 10s with a better camera. And then people don't see it in the same way because it's supposed to be a more budget option. I've personally not used the 10R, but I have used the 5C and I don't think they're aimed at the same market. I don't think they're they're like replacements to each other. Obviously, the, the big thing is the colour 
and the fact that it's using kind of slightly older hardware, but obviously the newest uh, system on the ship and everything. The one thing that I think a lot of people get wrong is is the fact that the iPhone 5C was never actually meant to be as expensive as it was. They just kind of did release it at that price, which I think was was really stupid because it sold fairly well, especially over here in the UK at least. But it's not with, with the iPhone 10R. It's more of a a pre like a, a high end kind of mid ranger as opposed to the iPhone 5C, which was more of a mid-ranger because the 5C had to last year's system on a chip, whereas the 10R is sharing a lot of the internals of the 10S. But uh, yeah, I'd be really intrigued to see how the differences are in terms of, like Damien said, the screen and and stuff like that. But yeah, I think when they, like you said, it's going to be difficult for them to release another one because the, the 10R isn't meant to be that like big flagship phone, kind of conversely to what I said to start with meaning that they're not going to really be able to put features in that that they don't put in the 10s or 2 or the 11s, whatever they call it, or the 11. So I think it's going to be a tricky one to one-up. And also keeping that price at a relatively low amount. Because a lot of us did complain that the 10R was way too expensive when it came yeah. out. And there's likely going to be a price hike, uh, even if it's just a little bit. So they're going to have to justify that, I think. I think that the 10R and the 10s and the 10s Max... I think every phone these days, Apple, Samsung, Huawei included, they are, in my opinion, overpriced for what they are. And I'm I'm quite vocal about this on Twitter, but it's like every year we have a new phone, it costs a thousand pounds, and then the next year that one's discarded by the company. And I I feel like if they do that this year, it's just eventually it's gonna come to a point where they burn out as such, because you can't just keep making a thousand pound phones every year when all they're changing, especially, this is why I didn't like the 10s, but all they're changing is uh, what I considered minor upgrade to the cameras and a little bit of a performance boost, and that's it. So do you think as well, though, where you said there's not much in terms of the hardware that's changing, but and you said that there's throwaway phones, so we're paying a £1,000 and then a year later it doesn't really get supported. I think this is one area where Apple, again, do genuinely lead in terms of hardware support, hardware, sorry, and software support. Oh yeah. So you could you could have the five C, for instance, and that would have been updated, I believe, until iOS eleven. Am I right in thinking that, or iOS ten? Yeah, yeah. So you you have an old piece of hardware that gets supported longer than most, uh, like a thousand pound phones. So I suppose in some respects, it poses the question: Are there things that Apple do genuinely lead on? or have led on for such a long time that everyone else needs to play catch-up. Because I think you kind of see it with Samsung at the moment. Samsung are doing their utmost to get every single phone from the S8 onwards on Android Pie, which seems ridiculous when you look at Apple put every single phone, day one, software update is on everything from a certain defined period. So six years, six years of devices will all get the same update. I think that does seem like where Apple do genuinely care in some respects about the consumer oh yeah maybe the pricing's a little bit high but yeah i'm just wondering what you thought of other manufacturers trying to follow suit and genuinely follow apple for a change in terms of the software side of things i think that apple this is where apple have been very clever because by releasing just one device a year one one product line uh for iphones one product line for ipads although that's kind of changed recently and you know like one macbook pro a year one iMac a year they've really like set themselves up to do well with software and because they have such good software already keeping that software support is relatively easy because 
over those six years, they'll have a maximum of seven or eight devices that they have to update. Whereas with Samsung, you have the Galaxy Alpha series, the Note series, and the main S series. So if you have like two Alpha phones, two S phones, so a normal one and a plus one, and then a Note, that's five phones a year. So over six years then, you have 30 different devices to update. And I feel like that's where Apple are actually able to get their software updates reliably up. And that's why Samsung now are frantically rushing, because they realize that Android Pie makes up something like 2% of all Android devices out there. Even though now Android 10 is still in, well, even though now Android 10 is in development. So it's like, that's the area, especially where Apple are definitely leading because software support is the one thing that they can do extremely well. Yeah, so I wanted to kind of cut back a bit and uh, kind of go on from what, what Damien was saying about like genuinely them leading. I think that the the biggest thing with with like literally the biggest thing with Apple leading, obviously the familiarity thing that I was talking about before, but there's also the the price hikes. So this is something that I've done my research and made a video about. But if you look at the the biggest the biggest manufacturers here in the UK over the past five and six years, so it doesn't really count OnePlus and Huawei because they haven't really been around here in the mainstream that long. So we've got Samsung, Apple, Sony, and LG. You know, the, the biggest price hike from the others is Samsung with 42% on their Note series. And then Apple is the next with over a 100% price hike on their, their maximum phone. So it would be in the era of the 5C and the 5S, the 5S would be the, the bigger version. And uh, more recently, the 10R would be the lower end and the 10S Max would be the highest end. And we've seen, like I said, over a 100% price hike. And we've seen a lot of the others, you know, kind of catch up with that. We've got Samsung with the Note series. And when they released like the first Note 8 and Note 9, they're like a thousand pounds, which is a lot of money to spend on a phone. But what we forget is that back when the 5S came out, the Note 3 was like a hundred pounds more. And so I think Apple, you know, seemingly now we think of Apple as having the most expensive phones. I think that's where it's taken them. Because before, way back in the Galaxy S4, Note 3 and 5S days, they weren't selling the most expensive phones. They were among average with Sony and LG following very, very closely behind. So I think when it comes to them leading, that a, a big perception of them leading, you know, to us and to people who actually like look at phone prices is the fact that their prices are just so high in the first place. But I guess you could argue that that's the industry as a whole, isn't it? They've kind of just become accustomed to making phones that are arguably overpriced for what they are, considering they get replaced in a year for something that the companies themselves now argue is the best phone they've ever made. And when you look at something like Samsung's new folding phone, for it's something like £1,900. And for a phone like that, I there's no way I could personally justify spending that amount of money on a phone. Um, but do you think as well, sorry to interrupt there, Alex, but do you think that some of that is down to the fact that the Samsung Galaxy Fold is a first generation device that is part of a brand new product line? So in terms of the folding phones, we've not seen that before. When Apple came out with the, the iPhone 1, um, was coincidentally the most expensive phone on the market at the time, apart from a few Nokia phones, because it was doing something that nothing, no one else did. You can argue that, um, and I, yeah, there's definitely some weight behind that because it is the first phone to be released that does what it does. But then, when you put that in perspective, the first iPhone was a hundred. Well, no, what was it? 
was either $99 or $199. I'm not 100%. I'm pretty sure it was 199 But you were forced to buy it on contract. That's true. That, that wasn't off contract, technically. That's true. But when you... Still, when you look back at that, for kind of like 10 times the price of what you're getting, it really doesn't make sense, in my opinion at least, because... Take a look at um, Huawei's... I'm not 100% what it's called, but... It's like the Mate X or something, their new folding phone. That is a phone that arguably is worth more for its price. Because what you get there is essentially a bezel-less fold, and it's what everyone expected of Samsung. But it's still... I still think they're overpriced, personally. And I don't know where I'm really going with this. I just think that phones are overpriced. Um, and it's somewhere that... Do you think Do you think Samsung will... Sorry. Do you think that Apple will wait until the market has kind of plateaued like they normally do or the market is kind of like stabilised and come in with a folding iPhone, take all the plaudits, all of the tech blogs, all of everyone, like people kind I will say like ourselves, will come in and say, oh, Apple do it the best or Apple do it this way, Apple do it that way. When realistically, Samsung has done it first just to prove it's a proof of concept. They make They make displays. They'll probably provide Apple with the displays so without Samsung doing that and innovating, genuinely innovating in a space that doesn't exist, then Apple cannot do what they're doing, if that makes sense. And I kind of, that is frustrating as someone who spends a lot of time with technology and you hear people say things about Apple products and I'm not caught on myself an Apple hater. I just think that people don't have a concept of what they genuinely do in the industry. It's, they feel that they're not, I don't want to call them, they're not bottom feeders at all. They're like apex predators. So they allow everyone else to kind of graze and get big and fat and juicy. And then all of a sudden, the great white shark comes along, snaps them up, and they've taken an entire market share or they've 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 kind of, in air quotes, created an entire new market. Like with tablets existed before the iPad, for instance, touchscreen devices existed before the, the iPhone. But we can only really remember the iPhone. I mean, notches existed in displays before the iPhone 10, but... The essential phone did it before the iPhone 10, for instance. But people remember the iPhone 10 because it's Apple, and I, that that seems really frustrating to me. It feels counterintuitive as a tech community to to lord Apple for things and not lord other companies for being willing to try things and make mistakes and make errors. I think part of it comes down to the kind of the reporting that we have for Apple because a lot of it. And I think a lot of this applies to any company, but when a blogger or a YouTuber gets a device for free, very often they don't consider the price of it or like the cost of what they're actually reviewing. So like if someone gets sent the, the Galaxy Fold, they're not going to be as negative about it as if they bought it themselves with their own money because as far as they're concerned, they're not at a loss to get that device. Whereas your average consumer actually is at a loss to buy that device. If they're paying £2,000 for a phone, that's probably... For the market that it is, it's probably not the biggest amount of money, but it is still a significant amount of money for a device. And I think when bloggers get them for free, and I hate using the term bloggers, but there it is, it's kind of they're kind of like blindsided by getting it for free. It, the proof is in the pudding because what what a lot of people are doing is they edit on a Mac, they use an they'll use the P30 Pro for a week and then go back to the iPhone. Yeah, that's and true. I see I see it so much, and it's kind of frustrating because these people it feels like they're not willing to give the devices a time of day yeah. because Apple Apple have already allowed the other people to fail. So it's fail first, finish last. I have <laughs> okay. a question, and I think it's quite a potent one. Do And I don't think it's been asked all that much. Do we think 
that the reason that the iPhone XR was released with such a low resolution screen is to hype up the XR Mark II. No. Possibly, possibly. I can see where you're coming from, but I genuinely think it's a a way of not undercutting their own product line, which is what Alex said earlier. Um, you don't want to have your bud- budget device, your so-called air quotes budget device, because it's still £750 RRP. Um, you don't want that to have a superior screen to your £1,300 XS Max. It's just, it's counterintuitive, and it's it's clearly Apple. I mean, look at the... Look at the the MacBook Air line. I remember when the MacBook Air 13-inch came out, the 2013 version. That had the best battery of any so-called the Ultrabook on the market. And um, the Retina display could have easily been put in that device. But they wanted people to move to the Pro device, which had all of the same internals almost. You could get the same internals um, on the base model. It was obviously a lot lower spec with the for the, the MacBook Air, but I find that Apple kind of have their tiers very well set or their stall very set out. So you know, if I pay the lowest price, I get the lowest specification, but I still technically get the same experience. So you can have a bad disc, bad screen or a bad um, touch ID in comparison to the face ID, but at the end of the day, you, you have a very similar experience. And I think that's that plays into their ecosystem very, very well. It's kind of like a gateway it feels like a gateway device, so you'll buy, you'll buy the iPhone, and then eventually, like, oh, this would work really well with iMessage on my laptop. Why can't I message with iMessage on my laptop? Suddenly, you've got a Mac, and I think that they they do genuinely play the game better than anyone else at doing that. It's just whether or not you're strong-willed enough to just say no, I'm not getting involved because the prices are utterly ridiculous. Oh yeah, I. In fact, everything you said there was exactly what I was thinking when um, Ryan mentioned about the display resolution, because Apple is a very, it's a tiered company. So you have, for example, your regular 21-inch iMac, and then you can scale that up to a 27 or the iMac Pro, and you have your Mac Mini or your Mac Pro, even though that hasn't been updated recently. And then it's the same with iPads. You have the iPad Mini, the iPad Air, and then the iPad Pro, and they've essentially done it with every single product now except the iPhones because you have like the MacBook, the MacBook Air, the MacBook Pro. All we have now, and that's essentially what they did in September, is to make that iPhone XR as the almost the the mini, if anything, or the Air version of the iPhone XS. I think you're right with the, the, the iPhone XR. That would be really cool as an Air. I think we, it would be awesome to see like a small iPhone again, like a properly small iPhone again and call it the mini, but that's just me. But one thing I wanted to link back to with uh, with regards to what Damien was arguing to me about is the, the fact that you're going to undercut the whole system. You know, you've got the iPhone XR and it's meant to be cheaper and you don't want the display to be better than, than the others. But I think that you could probably have a similar PPI or, or resolution or whatever you want to call it but at the same time, it be IPS because, of course, it doesn't have the the force touch or the the 3D touch, and the other phones are OLED as opposed to IPS, and you can see a difference, I think, anyway. Mm. So I think you could still not undercut the other phones and still have like a decent resolution screen. They could easily do it, but the question is whether they want to, because Apple is a a company that don't particularly like to give you the best features unless you're really paying for them. So, and even then, I guess. Yeah, and even then, because when you think about it, an iPhone without the software that it has 
is probably not a very powerful phone if you put Android on it, or a MacBook Pro, like the base model MacBook Pro with its dual-core i5. If you had Windows on there, it wouldn't run nowhere near as quickly as Mac OS does, because a lot of what they sell is the software and the optimization behind it. So, so I think that I, no. So I think Apple's idea is to make a product that is nowhere near as attractive in terms of specs as their flagship to make sure that they don't undersell themselves. And I don't think they want to bring that gap any closer. Do you think that's a bit of a frustrating element, though? Because you look at, for instance, uh, judging recently, for instance, the P30 to the P30 Pro, the jump in quality and having, luckily, I'm able to have both devices at present, the difference between the P30 and the P30 Pro is not really exponential in terms of the way it would be with, for instance, like you said, the 10R, the 10S Max. Uh, although the internals are the exact same with the, the P30 and the P30 Pro, much like the 10R and the 10S Max, there's no real cut down in the quality of the display. The only difference is it's not curved, it's flat, slightly smaller. It has the same AMOLED panel. The fingerprint scanner is the same. It it feels much like just a small, slightly smaller version. And then, obviously, I'm arguing against myself a little bit with the obviously. If you could say, oh, if you're going to get the if you're going to get the 10R, but you want the same performance as the 10S Max, then you get the 10S. But arguably there's no difference between like you said previously the iPhone X and the XS in day to day performance do, do do Apple genuinely just make these claims with their with their really quality hardware that they put in devices and they really never really utilize it and I think that's what I mean again by they they're not willing to lead there's, there's no point having the bionic chip in their devices unless you maybe potentially going to have the iPad Pro and do some sort of video editing most people are never going to edit videos on their mobile phones. It's just kind of like a proof that, oh, we can do this as well as everybody else because we've allowed everyone else to fail first. So one thing I need to bring up is that my good friend, Benjamin Abuagi said it, and I believe it was one of his interviews, one of his live stream interviews, that the A12 is was never really meant to be used as a proper chip. You know, you can play games on it, but arguably the A10 and the A11 were more than enough for that screen resolution and with the games being played. But one thing that Apple tended to do at that point better than anyone else was recording high resolution, a high frame rate video continuously without any kind of buffer. So you could fill up your entire 256 gigabyte storage without a pause in you know because you've got to you've got to encode that video at the time you know re in real time and that is where the the a12 and the a11s uh, tend to do really really well versus kind of the snapdragon 835 and 845 we're yet to see what that's going to be like with the the 855 and i'm sure there's been I've sh i'm sure there's been a lot of testing with the kirin 980 but when it comes to um the iphone it tends to be that those things you don't really think about make a big difference especially with their like animojis and ar stuff because that does put a big load on the system on a chip and that's what the a12 tends to do really really well you don't really see the difference in day-to-day -day tasks and you don't see the difference in games really but when you're doing those things that seem very very seamless in in on iphone so you may think that you know that animoji can be done on any kind of phone and and all that stuff and that video recording it's those things you don't think about the system on a chip needing to be as good as it is and that's where apple is so seamless and i think that does follow apple's kind of message of being as seamless and as as continually great as it can be 
I completely agree on it. I, I kind of think that links back to what I said earlier about them with their software and how, because they only have a limited number of devices, they're able to make software that is so well tailored to those devices that it just works. And I think that kind of links in because when you look at things like the Snapdragon 855 or the Snapdragon 845 even, which we can currently benchmark, because they're almost generic processors that are used over like the standard of flagships, the software isn't going to be as well tailored as Apple can do it because those are made out of house as such, whereas Apple essentially makes their own processors. So they know exactly how to tailor the software to the hardware. And I think that's sort of what does, bringing it back to the original topic, I think that's sort of what does actually show that they lead quite well because what they can do with the software that they have is arguably unbeatable unless other companies start to do the same. I think that's where a lot of people wanted to see Tizen do very well because obviously Samsung do make their own SoCs. Whether they're as good as their Snapdragon counterparts is is neither here nor there really. But they're, they're both running on Android, so I think that's, again, where Apple has their advantage is because they're running their own software on their own hardware. And similarly, we see uh, Huawei with their really excellent battery performance within their Kirin series chips in their phones. And I think that's mainly down to the fact that they can optimize Android, but they don't really start from scratch like Apple do with their iOS. And I think, yeah, I think that's essentially what separates Apple from other companies. I think the whole difference regardless of hardware, regardless of cameras, whatever ports you have on there, I think it all comes down to the software at the end of the day. And these days especially, phones are heading more into being a race of software than hardware, even though marketing really just sells hardware to people. Because the software is something that a lot of people don't consider when you think... No. Because the software is something that a lot of people... No, fuck me. Because the software is something that's extremely hard to market until someone actually uses the phone. And that's probably where Apple come in with actually creating a user experience that people can just use and it's just simple. And that's probably why people love Apple so much. That's a fantastic... I think that's a fantastic point. I think that's a fantastic point because you don't very often go into a phone shop now, do you, and pick up a phone? You'll go online and you'll read someone else's opinion of of software and of course, we've started this podcast with an opinion that are Apple leading or are they following? And I kind of, I feel like I'm veering more towards they do lead in a lot of areas, but obviously they need to follow because much like every other brand, um, there's 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 less risk attached, isn't there, to to following certain trends or there's there's more risk attached to creating trends, if that makes sense. So they're leveraging, they're leveraging what they do well the software they do phenomenal. The, the software is phenomenal. It doesn't. It doesn't have all of the features that I like, and it's one of the reasons why I don't use iOS all that frequently. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of do agree with you there that the, the tight software integration and the software experience is probably one of the core reasons why the the non tech person feels that the iPhone is is the superior device. No, I, I completely agree, and I think that's essentially what puts Apple in the position that they're in, is that they're a, a sort of safe choice for people these days, because they know what they can expect. They know what iOS is, they know the integration with iMessage and with your MacBook and with whatever other Apple devices you have, and the way that they all just seamlessly link in together. And uh, that's sort of why I think Apple don't need to lead anymore. I feel like they've led the market to a point where they're at the top, 
and they're in a position where they can just be trusted by everybody to essentially just create a phone that is sleek and just has a decent user experience and that links in with all their other devices which people also know have a sleek and minimalistic user experience and that's probably why I think they don't need to lead anymore because they're in a position that they've put themselves in um, and it's a position that companies like Samsung and Huawei are now trying to get themselves in after seeing how Apple have done it. I think when it comes to Apple leading, they, they have led in the past. And I think that right now, based on just the people I know and the online consensus and kind of ignoring fanboyism in any sector of the mobile space, I think they are scared. And I think they should be scared if they're not scared. Because people I know who would typically buy iPhones, and when we say, you know, typically, like, you know, they kind of want the same experience every time or, you know, they want they want something they can rely on. They're buying Huawei phones straight up. Like, my girlfriend's mum has bought a Huawei P20 Pro instead of buying another Samsung or buying another iPhone. And my cousin has just bought a Mate 20 Pro. Like, these people are buying phones, these phones that we consider to be, you know, enthusiast-grade phones that have just really entered the market in their infancy, if you think about it, compared to how long Apple's been doing it. And Apple are being pushed down the ladder. I think they are going to become lower down the ladder. I think Huawei and Samsung are going to continue to build. And I think it's a big opinion. I think it's probably going to stir a lot of uh, a lot of people's thoughts. But I do genuinely think that Huawei is going to become number one at one point. Um, and I think that is making maybe apple aren't scared because you know apple are that big company you know, the biggest company in the world and they're very proud and all this but if they're not scared i genuinely think they should be i think they've led for the longest time and right now they are following in a lot of places the software can be as good as it it is but you know you can only say software is the answer uh, until you get to a point where huawei releases a 50 times mega zoom that kind of puts your your two times your 50 50 millimeter equivalent to shame really so we're all kind of on consensus that apple's kind of we're not going to say had its day because it's definitely shifting a lot phones still we're all in the consensus that apple have had led the entire industry for a long time and almost essentially created the industry that we're talking about which is i kind of we've got to say thank you to apple for that in some regards because without the iphone we probably wouldn't have the smartphone industry that we currently do because we looked at Nokia were originally the, the market leaders and they've they've fallen by the wayside and they're now having a little bit of a resurgence. And yeah, Apple are having a kind of, a, they've had their mini crisis, but they're still shifting devices. So maybe we'll see them kind of shift their focus and really attack these, these new up-and-comers like Huawei and indeed um, Xiaomi and Honor and of course Oppo, OnePlus being an Oppo offshoot. But yeah, it's great to to kind of get a good consensus and kind of work out what you guys are thinking. Um, of course, we'd love to hear from you if you think that Apple have led or are still leading or maybe you're an Apple fanboy or an Apple hater yourself. Just let us know and get in contact with us via uh, Twitter, the at the subject pod. Our email is the subject is podcast at gmail.com if you want to drop us a line on there. And you can also find us on YouTube at the subject podcast. And then before you go, remember to leave us a review on iTunes. Of course, we'd really appreciate that. It will be available on Spotify and other podcast platforms in the coming weeks. So thanks again for anyone who's listened. Um, If you'd like to pose as a subject, by all means, use the contact information. And we'll probably, hopefully, catch you next week.